Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hello, I'm Scarlett Russell, Entertainment Editor for the Sunday Times Style, and this is Secrets of the Side Hustle, your go-to podcast to find out what it really takes to turn your passion into your career. Each episode, we hear from inspiring female founders who give us the lowdown on how they turn their side hustle into a thriving business. From baking for the stars to sex tech, disrupting the fast fashion industry and more, in this show, we get the ins and outs and ups and downs of setting up your own company whilst pocketing nuggets of advice along the way. On this episode of Secrets of the Side Hustle, we're joined by Nicola Elliott, founder of Neom, the luxury well-being product to help you sleep better, stress less, boost your energy or lift your mood. Nicola started Neom with her business partner Oliver Manel in 2005, when a busy career in journalism made her reevaluate her work-life balance. Both Nicola and Oliver, when starting the business in their 20s, had a strong focus to transform the well-being industry at a time when well-being wasn't taken as seriously. And now, nearly two decades on, the pair have conquered the world of well-being, opening stores across the UK, expanding their presence with their products in the US and gaining many fans along the way, from the likes of Gwyneth Paltrow and Kate Moss. I can't wait to talk to the woman herself about what it takes to navigate and grow a successful business. Welcome to Secrets of the Side Hustle, Nicola. Tell us about Neon products in your own words. What are they? Who are they for? What do they do and why are they Well, fabulous? I'm obviously very well versed in saying this in 30 seconds, 5 minutes or 15 minutes. <laughs> Timing you. Go. I will do the 30 <laughs> seconds. So we're a well-being brand. Okay, so we launch to help people boost their well-being. And we kind of believe that that can be done in the small moments. So, you know, there is no silver bullet for looking after yourself. But we believe that we can really help with pieces of that sort of toolkit, if you like. So we're about sleep de-stressing, boosting your energy, lifting your mood, which is very unusual, I suppose, for what you would typically call a beauty brand or home fragrance brand because we don't have reams and reams of fragrances. We develop and we product develop deeper into those categories. So, you know, we, of course, have candles, which you know is for, but also we have magnesium body butters that are laced with ingredients that are going to help you sleep. We have pods our well-being pod which is very iconic now and we produce uh, different essential oils there very complicated blends which can work to help you de-stress etc etc so very much about those four what we call need states where well-being is concerned and we do it all through natural products 
Natural, not just because I'm not into a lot of the chemicals that are out there, but more so because we cannot help your well-being if we're using synthetic, albeit very pretty fragrances. We can only help your well-being if we're using very pure essential oils. So a lot of people think that we're natural because we're not into harmful chemicals. Actually, that's secondary to the fact that we're natural because we can only sort of move the dial if we're using essential oils. That's the 30 second version. I mean, fabulous. You've done this before. You're an absolute pro. Okay, let, let's just do a little bit of background, Nicholas. So you're from Leeds. Well, Harrogate, Leeds. Harrogate, okay. Like do you know water. Harrogate? Yeah, like the water. Betty's, thank you. <laughs> and then when did you move to London? So I went to university in Newcastle and I moved to London to be a journalist when I was, what, 21? Did you study journalism at Newcastle? No, at I did Newcastle. art history. Oh. So what made you want to be a journalist? I always wanted to be a journalist, but I was quite naughty and didn't get to uni and had to go through a clearing. And that's the only course I could get on. And it made me pull my socks up, I have to say, if anyone's got children that are sort of in that sort of naughty zone between 16 and 19. I was so freaked out that I hadn't got any offers. I did nine work experience placements whilst I was at uni on magazines. And so I always knew that I, I was creative where words and pictures and thoughts were concerned. And so I wanted to work somewhere I could pull that together. There was never really a plan B for me. I just wanted to be a journalist. How did you break into the journalism world in London? So work experience. Mm-hmm. Same, same. You know, and it's funny now we're talking about having children and I'm now looking at sort of 14-year-olds and thinking, what's the most important thing? And it was work, work experience. experience. Yeah, yeah. And as I say, I was so freaked out by ending up you know not getting onto a course that I wanted I think it was the kick up the backside that I needed and therefore I did all of these work experience placements so when I left I ended up getting a job offer pretty quickly which was really interesting because friends of mine who'd really sort of flourished after A-levels and gone to Oxbridge, ended up in a completely different place. Do you know, it was the same for me when it came to business because I'm not trained in business. In fact, the other day, my son's just started business GCSE and I was looking through the textbook. I was thinking, oh, what even is in a business GCSE? I mean, Mm. do I even know what these words mean? So I think there's sometimes an awful lot of benefit in looking at things differently as opposed to being taught them and I think that's probably served me quite well I wasn't taught journalism so I just got to look at things in a very very fresh way I wasn't taught business and similarly the same thing your first job that you offered when you were 24 did you say 21 21 where was that Minx magazine. Oh, I remember. Do you remember? Guys, old school. Google it if you're too young to know what Minx magazine was. I was editorial assistant, which to anyone who doesn't know is the lowest of the low. (laughs) It really was sort of filing the invoices and putting the stamps on the envelopes. But I made some brilliant friends. In fact, one of my best friends I made there. And then it closed down. They folded it. And I remember them saying, your redundancy pay was like, I think my redundancy pay was like £1,000 or something. I thought, quid's in, I'm going to Ibiza for the summer. And my dad said, if you don't get a job straight away and you go to Ibiza with that money, I will be fuming or something. So, oh God. So I go to work at Heat Magazine, which by then was really on the up. Mm -hmm. And that was interesting. Again, made loads of great friends there who's still brilliant friends today. And that was just a, you know, total baptism of fire, brilliant place to work. And then I got a call from Joe. Elvin, who was brilliant, fierce but brilliant. I'm just editor of Glamour, by the way. Yeah. And she said she was starting Glamour, she was launching it. Did I want to join the launch team? Oh, right. That was such good fun. And then the last job that I had at Glamour was associate editor. 
So I worked under Joe again. And that was brilliant because that job was sort of really very fluid. I was working with beauty and fashion and entertainment and putting the ideas together. And I think that's where at the same time there was sort of this bubbling desire to start something of my own. Mm -hmm. But by then I sort of realised I'd kind of built a confidence in knowing what women wanted, what made them tick. You know, I remember thinking a lot of these cover lines I've been really instrumental in or the big features were my ideas and not that I'm taking the glory because the team there were amazing, but it made me think I can pull these ideas together from a concept and the pictures and the words and that really is something that is a business. So you had this inkling that you wanted to start a business. Was that always there or was that just kind of coming towards the end of your time in journalism? Well, my father was entrepreneurial. He had a car business in the north of England. So, I mean, it couldn't be the more different business. He had a car auction. So, you know, as I say, polar opposite. But I think the belief of being entrepreneurial and that being, you know, the sort of the end game was always in my head. And I remember being offered a job when I was at Glamour by Richard Desmond to start a new magazine and ringing my dad and it was brilliant and it was twice the pay and it had a brilliant team. And by the way, it's since folded. It was a magazine that I think only lasted six months. But at the time it was a great offer. And I remember my dad saying, do you know, I was about 28 then. Must have been like 2003, four. But I remember him saying, if you take that job, you will never do something on your own. And so it was a real kind of crossroads. So I think it was always encouraged that I work on my own. It was never something that my family saw as, you know, overly risky, I suppose. It's interesting because when I recount this story, everyone always thinks, oh, there's this one light bulb moment. But there really wasn't. And I think that's crazy, really. I mean, if you make a snap decision based on one thing... It was so many different elements, you know, the confidence from my family, the belief in what I could do and sell to women, the spotting of the natural movement in beauty. My sister worked for Friends of the Earth and she used to be a total staunch greenie and I used to think, gosh, what she says makes sense, but that needs totally glamorising because no one's going to buy into Mm. natural beauty, home fragrance, anything whilst it smells like crap and comes in a brown paper bag, especially working at a magazine and seeing what beautiful alternatives were available. So there was all of these elements. And so I don't think there was ever one light bulb moment for me. And I think that's always a bit of a misconception. And I think when you're talking to women who want to start a side hustle, I feel that they shouldn't be waiting for that one thing because it won't necessarily come and smack you around the head like a bolt of lightning. And if you're waiting for that, then you may miss your opportunity. So it didn't happen for me, and I don't think it always happens, although I know everyone loves that part of the story. For a lot of people, I think it comes in a collection of little nudges. It's been fantastic getting to know Nicola and how she went from a high-flying career in journalism to spotting a gap in the market for a wellness brand. But I wanted to know exactly how she tapped into the world of wellness and made her idea a reality. 
I thought of the idea of Neon and I always thought big, but then I sort of brought it down to, and then where will we start? We obviously can only start with, with one product. We always wanted to have a well-being beauty brand. It was always the idea to get to where, where we are now. And I should say, we, me and my business partner, Oliver Manel, we worked together because I was very much the creative, the product, the concept, the people, and he was the finance and the operational side of things. So that was the first thing, was spotting sort of what I didn't know and I absolutely couldn't and can't add up. <laughs> and then it was sort of thinking of the idea, this movement and where people's brains, lifestyles, wants, desires were going. And as I said to you, my sister was very interested in natural and green products and I thought that makes sense, but it needs glamorising in some way. And so we, we sort of, we, we came up with this idea for Neon, which was always going to be this this well-being uh, beauty brand, as I explained in the first sort of 30 seconds of the podcast. And then we sort of reversed right back and thought, right, where can we start from? I mean, the reality is we didn't have much cash. I had a car, which I sold, and Oliver had some money from a game show winning. I mean, the most <laughs> random story. <What? laughs> He'd gone on a game show. Anyway, he had seven and a half grand. Oh my God, that he won. That he won. Incredible. I had seven and a half thousand because I'd sold a car that I'd got five years previously for my 21st birthday. So we sort of scrabbled together 15,000 pounds. We always felt that we didn't want to go and ask friends and family for money, although I'm not saying you shouldn't. And then with that, we thought the reality was we could only start with one product because MOQs, which means minimum order quantities, are a thing, which means you can only, when you go to a manufacturer and ask them that you need to buy some, I don't know, some tubes for hand cream or some glasses for candles or whatever, there's a minimum. They're not going to just sell you 10 or 100. They're going to sell you 30,000 or something. So armed with this information, we suddenly were aware that we had to just do one product and we sort of, we decided candles. Don't know if we would have done that now. Clearly, 17 years later, it's a very different place. I'm not saying that's necessarily the best place to well, start. Well, yeah, because there are a lot of candles yeah. now, but there weren't back then. Well, there weren't. So again, yeah, I wouldn't have probably done that now, but, but back then there weren't. Mm. And also, we'd stumbled across this fact when researching that 97% of candles were, and actually this figure hasn't really changed, made of paraffin wax mm -hmm. and scented with synthetic fragrances. So I remember thinking what if this could be made from natural waxes and scented with natural essential oils? And then actually, as the essential oils burn and they released into the room and you breathe that in, it would work as a treatment. And I remember, it's funny, isn't it, how you remember things in sort of pictures. I remember speaking to so many different people, chemists and candle manufacturers, and they're like, no, you can never do that. It just can't work. Because you'd have to put so much essential oil in the candle to not put anything other than essential oil in there that it would cost so much. Oh. And also the chemistry between those two elements would probably not work. And in the end, fast forward, we did do that. But in a neon candle, for example, you know those little, little bottles of essential oil that you see in health food shops mm. and we sell also now our blends of, each candle's got about four of those in it because we could only put essential oil in there. So a standard candle would put some lavender oil in, but then put a whole load of synthetic booster in. And because obviously we only work with 100% natural, we can't do that. So there was an opportunity I could see there to be able to just produce something when nobody else was that was 100% natural, 
but clearly there was also this huge problem as to how to do it. And I always love those problems. You mean how to do it affordably? Because it Affordably was- and also to actually make the thing work. You know, there was like hundreds and hundreds of tests because essential oils are very difficult to work with. It's not like pressing a button on a synthetic fragrance and the same thing can come out in 10 years, exactly the same as you programmed into a machine 10 years before. This is like going to the supermarket and buying oranges today and then going back in December. They're not going to look the same. They're not going to taste the same. They're not going to feel the same. And so it's the same with essential oils, of course, because it's just natural materials. It depends on the harvest. I always love those problems because that just to me spells opportunity. Mm -hmm. If it was easy and they went, yeah, no problem, we can just push a button on that and have them out by tomorrow, then that meant that the person who was calling up next week could also do the same thing. So I like it when things are not possible because... They generally are possible. <laughs> They've just not been done. So you you love the challenge. You embrace it rather than get intimidated by it. Yeah, always. Great. If it's really easy to do, everyone else is going to do it. And then your problem's far greater, which is the market then becomes totally saturated. And listen, that doesn't always mean that things work out, but a lot of them do. You've just got to think round it and round it and round it and round it. And that's exactly what we did. It took me over two years I spent an awful lot of time in candle factories. I had to learn an awful lot about the chemistry of making candles, for want of a better word, so that I could ask the right questions and we could get to a solution. We had to go and speak to a lot of stockists early on and ask them if they would be prepared to take a lower margin. And we had to work on our business model and see whether we would be prepared to take a lower margin Because, as you said before, they were going to be much more expensive for us to produce than other luxury candles. So all of this had to be sort of baked into the business plan early on. And and that's what we did. And eventually we made a breakthrough. It's interesting as well, you mentioned earlier about the stockists. And back then, so this is what, 2008? Well, sort of six, seven, yeah. 2006, seven websites weren't a big thing. And a lot of the site hustles start now. It's easy, you just build a website, you sell on the website, you're done. That wasn't, but you're going out into stockists. That was it. You probably weren't even thinking for a while, really. It was so painful. I mean, my job quickly became about, I remember I I had a mini, and Oliver and I had worked out, again, bear in mind this is all on this really small amount of cash that we had. We'd worked out if I did seven stockist visits in a ge- geographical area of sort of, you know, 200 miles, then that would make financial sense. So I would go out in the mini and I would sort of take an area and I would do this two or three days a week. And I would go and visit stockists and I would explain the product and I would tell them how we would ideally like it merchandised and 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 then I would come back and it was at that point I think we reached our first dip because I remember we spent an awful lot of time going to spas because we felt spa market would understand well-being a bit better than say a gift shop and so we would go into the spas and you know at times I would be sat with say 20 therapists in a room explaining the concept and selling the concept of Neom and we were the only natural brand and we were saying you know if you're if your um, customers come in and they're stressed, if you sell them a candle afterwards, think that they can continue that treatment as they go home. And we'd worked out that actually the candles would have about 20 to 30 burn times in them. That would work out about one pound twenty per treatment. 
etc etc so we were explaining it in this way and we really got the receptionists involved because of course they were talking to the women or the men when they were leaving about continuing the treatment at home so we'd sort of very much thought through what we now call a customer journey but I remember them just not understanding natural and they didn't understand what organic even meant back then so it got to the point I thought oh my god I'm gonna have to go backwards to go forwards here and there was a whole period I mean like of a year where I used to take two carrots with me and I'd go this is an inorganic carrot this is just you know the one that you buy for 30p for a bag of 20 and this is an organic carrot and I was explaining to them about crop rotation and I thought oh my god I never had this in my plan but I just think that the audience wasn't there so we had to go backwards to explain and I remember thinking then I th- we might have bitten off more than we can chew you know it wasn't a trend we were never onto a trend we were onto the way that the world was going to move so they loved that and they loved the fact that it actually worked but I remember thinking if it takes this much to explain to you guys who are actually in beauty mm. we're behind ourselves in terms of explaining things to a customer and I think that's probably why we were a bit too early to the movement. No one was talking about well-being back then. No one was interested in naturals. It was the age of the cosmeceuticals. So how did you overcome that? What happened? Well, I was too far in then. I just had to stick with it. Can I just ask how you're juggling all of this at the time with your full-time job? Because working at magazines, like I know, it is it's full yeah. on. How did you find the time? Well, we sort of digressed there, didn't we, to the start of Neon, but I tested the idea and created the product on an evening Mm. I then went down to four days a week I didn't have children at that point so I managed to work a six-day week and evenings so I do my four five days at glamour and then I do my two days and evenings I negotiated a deal when I went back the last time that I would only do that job on four days a week and I was the only person who had done that job on a four-day week That was really a moment where I suppose what I managed to do there was getting carve out enough time that I could spend enough effort on the brand that I could then get a green light without me really risking my main career. You're listening to Secrets of the Side Hustle with Scarlett Russell. There'll be more secrets coming up just after this. 
LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Welcome back to Secrets of the Side Hustle with Scarlett Russell. Let's jump back into where we left off. Oliver Menel, how did you meet him? How did he come aboard? Family friends. Okay, because also as you've been speaking, I was going to ask you where the name Neom came from. And in my head, I'm like, Nicola Elliott, N-E, Oliver Menel, That's O-M. That's right. That's right. That's <laughs> it's right. lovely. You know what? It's not that much of an exciting story, but it is interesting from, a, from starting a side hustle point of view because it's very hard to think of a business name now, a brand name especially, and at that point, a brand that we knew was going to have an online presence at some point and we had to trademark it in various different countries a name that hadn't already been taken and so quite often this is why it's worth thinking about something that is a made-up name because then you can own that name and you can own that domain name so I would always recommend when you're thinking of that brand name early on is making sure that you know it's in line with your bigger plans at which point did you realise Neon was going so well that you could quit Glamour? So we did the gift shows in the early days. The sort of there's little gift shows around the country that you can go to and you sort of set up a stall and the various different sort of shops will come and they can sort of see it's a wholesale only show. I remember going to one show and there was a huge queue of people by our stand and our stand was like the smallest crappiest stand <laughs> that we'd built you know with about 500 quid and it was just terrible but the story was so good and the product was so good we had this huge queue and we did make quite a few wholesale sales that day but I remember thinking we're onto something and of course the idea needs sharpening and the prices probably aren't right and the boxes probably aren't fit for the future and 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 but the concept and the product is there and the interest is buzzing so I think probably at that point I got a bit of a green light but as I said all along I don't think there was ever one time and of course you've got to jump knowing that there might not be a net and you've got to you've got to be prepared to do that and then iterate from that point it was never going to go swimmingly straight away but it was enough of a green light that I could start and then the journey would sort of unravel from that point. It was all being done from your house at this time, I guess? Yeah. You didn't have an office or anything? Yeah, so I had a two-bedroom flat. We used the second bedroom as a warehouse. Right. <laughs> so 17 years on, Nicola, we've expanded now from candles to all sorts of products, body cream, face cream, as you're saying, pillow mists. What would you say are the key points throughout the last 17 years for this growth? I think us landing Selfridges was good because even though we didn't actually make a lot of money from that, it was the kudos of getting into a really big department store, which then 
had a sort of hero effect, I suppose, on the rest of the brand. I think at various points, having the cash to afford brilliant people who came with great knowledge have really propelled us. Definitely when we went online, we found a way that we could really connect with our customers and not just sell to them, but have a conversation which then could inform everything that we did with the product. Being able to run a business on that platform, I think, was probably integral. We took funding four years ago. 18, four 18. years ago. So we took funding from private equity, Piper Private Equity. What does that mean for the business then? So that means you sell a bit of your business, and we're still majority owners of the business, but you sell a little bit so that private equity can come in and help you scale it. So typically they'll put that cash into the business to allow you to run great projects or put more money into stock or put more money into great people or systems or whatever it may be that your business particularly needs. But also they sit on your board and they have a huge team of experts who can help you. And typically you can't do that until the business is of a certain size. That doesn't happen so much with a very early stage business. It does happen, but not as much until it becomes a, a bigger business and essentially you've proved yourself viable. But at that stage, you can go and get funding. And that's a whole other conversation and a whole other podcast but we at that point took some cash to be able to really sort of grow the business that was definitely a moment of which we we saw a sort of step change and I think apart from that it will be the little things it's not always the big things it's hiring the person that costs you an absolute fortune and realizing that actually they don't know any more than you Conversely, hiring the person with a really brilliant skill set that you think, oh my God, we should have got that earlier on. It's these little things. It's understanding what your brand culture is. For us, we're very entrepreneurial. We're fast growth. It's those kind of small moments, I think, that have been for us really pivotal as opposed to opening a very big stockist, you know, in a new country or, or something. I don't think I've got as many of those that have been real moments of change. You know, the business done so well, but can you think of an example of something that was a real challenge, a real setback, where you even might have thought, this is not going to work, and, and how you overcame that. I know that everyone always kind of wants that one thing, but I have to say, honest to God, I have that thing every week. <laughs> <laughs> and I think it's really important for people to understand that because it's about reframing those problems as just part of the journey. The most common reason people come and say that they stopped was for a problem that for me is a sort of standard Tuesday morning, Thursday afternoon issue. Honestly. Like what? Like we suddenly realised that people weren't interested in red vessels anymore for candles. So we thought that was the end of it. Well, why not make them pink? Relaunch <laughs> next week. We found that we were running out of cash and so we just couldn't go on anymore. Well, there's an infinite number of ways to get more cash. So why did you not explore those? There was a problem with a formula and we suddenly couldn't afford lavender anymore. And lavender is in most of our body lotions. Well, why not go and speak to your customers and say if you were to pivot and make vanilla or rose body lotions, would they be interested in that? Mm. And if not, think of it. Do you know what I mean? See it as an opportunity rather than an obstacle. 
Yeah, exactly. We've had the worst problems, Oliver and I. You know, banks pulling cash, gone through two recessions, people that work for you totally messing things up, stock being stolen from warehouses, everything, every single thing. I can't think that there would be an issue that we've not gone through. And we just keep moving forward. There's always an answer. It might not be the answer you want. It might be an answer that means you take a beating. It might be an answer that means you have to go backwards before you go forward. But there's always an answer. It has been a real pleasure getting to know our female founder on this week's Secrets of the Side Hustle. But I want to go just that little bit further and find out something about them or their business that isn't common knowledge. It's time for Best Kept Secret. So I tell you, when you say everyone knows Neon, as you did before, that still shocks me. It still feels to me like the brand that I have in my bedroom. And what is the funniest thing is when we were looking for a house a couple of years ago, when I would go on Rightmove and see Neom in someone's bathroom, I would go, oh my goodness, or see it in someone's house. Because to me, even though obviously I know the volume of products that are leaving the warehouse every day, week, it still is a bit of a shock when I actually see it in situ. And I think that's probably because I've been with it since it was since it was little. You know, if I'd if I'd come to work on the brand as a CEO or something 10 years in, I might be a bit more aware of the customer perception on the outside. But to me, it's still my little baby that is not that famous, which I suppose would be like the mother of a famous child. Right. Maybe that relationship between them. And I like that because. I think it really humbles me around the brand. I'm always pushing forward and I never think things are good enough. I get bored really, really quickly. I have this horrible thing, which makes me sound like a total twat, I am aware, <laughs> called call my barometer, which in meetings I'll go, my barometer's going off because something is boring me. And <laughs> I, I, I wish I could say that in our next features meeting. <laughs> Barometer, like this. And I can see them being like absolute dick. But the thing with that is if something is not good enough, you know, it's just not exciting enough. I think this is probably where my features head is very helpful. I'm very quick to mix that up. I think that I keep my standards really, really high where that's concerned. So I don't think I, you know, believe my own hype at all I think I'm constantly a really really harsh critic of what we're doing and how the brand's seen and I'm never satisfied with that always looking at it at the 10 problems and it's not always good that but I think it is the thing that pushes us forward it's almost time to say goodbye to our female founder this week but before we do let's have one more moment of inspiration with our quote for quote where we share uplifting quotes with the hope to motivate you to pursue what you're passionate about. So we have a quote from the wonder that is Brene Brown. Vulnerability is not weakness. It's our most accurate measure of courage. It's good. That's a good one, right? It's a good I like one. it. I it's like a, it. It's a good one. It's a good one. She's big on vulnerability, isn't she, Brene? Yeah. It's yeah. that American thing, I think. I it's think like be so. honest with your feelings and I kind of own so. them, own your vulnerability. I think, so. I think we're good at that as women as well. I think we should tap into that a bit more, maybe as women. Um, I think I always like to, I always say in meetings, let's just all take our rose glasses off for a minute and look at this just 
as a consumer would do. Is it really good enough? Is it really tapping into my lifestyle? Is it really going to help me? Is it really going to move the dial? And I think there's a there's a vulnerability in that. And have you got a quote you'd like to share with me, Nicola? You can never knock a woman off a pedestal she built herself. Ooh. Do you like it? Yeah. It's good, isn't it? That's a good one. It's a good one. What does that mean to you, Nicola? It's been such an important part of my life to be able to create something that allows me total independence and freedom. And I really wish that for my daughter. I see that in half my female friends and not the other half. And I always think to be able to create something for yourself that doesn't just give you financial freedom, but allows you to really flex a passion to meet like-minded women and men to meet and be lifted up by those people and inspired and have something that's just yours and not necessarily about you as a wife or as a mother has been such an integral part of my life and I think whether you do that on a very small scale or you're running a billion dollar company it's something that I hugely try and impress on my daughter and I feel quite strongly about where other women are concerned. Oh, it's been such a treat speaking to you, Nicola. I've really enjoyed it. What is the future of Neom and you and Neom? What are your plans? Well, the future of Neom is at the moment, I'm spending quite a bit of time in the States. So we are really getting a great following out there, which is fantastic. We are opening some more stores in the UK. The next one that we're opening is in Scotland. That's going to be in September in Edinburgh. And then we've got another couple of stores that are launching after that. We are continuing to product develop. And for me, I like to stay in a position where I think I'm kind of the every woman who needs a bit of help with her well-being but is kind of real where that's concerned. So I'm not an expert, but I'm very lucky to have access to all of the experts. And that goes from, you know, supplements to essential oils to thought leadership. And so I think we've got this fantastic platform at Neom. All of these men and women who are stressed and multitasking and want to sort of start their wellbeing journey don't necessarily know where to start but want that to sort of fit in with their lifestyle. And I like to remain in the position where I can be the conduit for helping them, whether that's through, you know, a candle or a pillar mist or showing them the next supplement, pointing them towards a book that I think is particularly good. And I suppose any which way that I can help in that domain is kind of my future, hopefully. Nicola, it's been such a pleasure talking to you on you Secrets of the Side Hustle. Thank you for coming on the podcast. And I look forward to seeing what the future holds. Thank you. You've been listening to Secrets of the Side Hustle with Scarlett Russell and our fantastic female founder this week, Nicola Elliott. The series producer is Anya Pierce. If you enjoyed what you heard, why not follow the podcast so that you never miss an episode? And you can listen back to all our previous episodes on the Free Times Radio app or download them from wherever else you get your podcasts. I'll be back with more Secrets of the Side Hustle next week. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much, but when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. 
And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.